What's up, tea drinkers? Who's ready to spill? Welcome to The Tea with KG, hosted by your girl, Kaylee Grace. Here you'll find your weekly boost of real talk mixed with laughter, healing, and all of those vulnerable, messy moments in between. The Tea with KG is a safe space for you to show up exactly as you are. We are here to share real-life stories from around the globe and be a community of love, joy, and celebrating life. This is a real-deal show, so there will be coarse language and sensitive topics discussed. The most beautiful stories oftentimes emerge from the darkest of places, and we're here to explore it all. There's room for everyone at this tea time, so grab your drink of choice, spark it up, or just relax and soak it up. Cheers, and let's spill. What's up, tea drinkers? We are back with another episode of The Tea with KG. I'm your host, Kaylee Grace. We are here to spread the sparkle. Anyone watching on YouTube, Benson is already behind me. He's excited. He is here for this episode. I also wanted to celebrate. It is our 50th episode. So I just wanted to thank all the listeners and viewers for tuning in and always being a big support. Just like this week's amazing guest, Kirsten Ward. She is always one of my biggest fans, and I am so happy to have her with us today. So thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. So Kirsten is going to be sharing her amazing story. She's going to be getting real open and vulnerable and raw with us as she shares her fertility journey with us, which I am so honored that you're taking time to talk about this because as we were mentioning before we hit record, we we know so many women who go through this and it's just such an important thing to talk about. And it's not just women that experience it, you know, your partners are involved in the process too. So just wanna give you a shout out for, for sharing this with us. It really does mean a lot. Yes, no problem. Awesome. I'm excited to share. Oh, it's going to be so great. So before we dive into all the story, we will get the good old, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so um, as mentioned, my name is Kirsten Ward. I am from originally from Nottawanag First Nation, which is in New Brunswick. I'm 30 years old. Um, I am Mi'kmaq. I grew up with my dad in Eskasoni First Nation, which is in Cape Breton Island. Grew up with my mom and my dad kind of back and forth everywhere. Also raised by my two grandmothers, who are both survivors of the Shubenacadie Indian Residential School. I am currently working as an operations coordinator at the Union of Nova Scotia Mi'kmaq in Member 2. Um, it's a tribal council that kind of services our five Unamagi First Nations communities. And Unamagi is, it actually means land of the fog, which is like our own word for Cape Breton Island. That's so cool. I like that. Yeah, I just kind of thought I'd throw, throw that in there. Yeah, it's a great word. Yeah. Some of my hobbies, I just enjoy traveling, camping. I love dogs. <laughs> yes. As soon as like Benson she started back. <laughs> yeah, Benson's like, I feel her energy. She loves me. I will be here. <laughs> Beyond. And then he's like, what? She said dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also throwing it out there, me and Kirsten, we are Taurus queens. So we very much embody. We love our food, our comfort, our fashion. Like I, we always connect with that. Are you May 15th? Is my memory that good? I feel like yeah. you are. Yes, yeah. right. May 11th, May 15th. I was like, yes, our May babies were here. <laughs> love it. I was going to mention that. I was like, I love food and wine, just traveling. Like we have a lot of very, very similar interests. And she's uh, rocking her hot pink today, FYI. <laughs> yes. I was like, I need to rock the hot pink for Kaylee. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. So as we all know, this human experience that we have, this 3D, we are learning, we are growing, we are experiencing trauma, we're laughing, we're celebrating. It's all of the things, right? This human experience is freaking wild. Like everything we go through and it all is for a purpose. And sometimes it's hard to see in those moments. And the way that we gain compassion and openness for each other is by sharing and talking about it. And I know even in my own personal journey, looking to others who've been through something similar has been so my saving grace in certain moments. So again, I know I've said it, but I do want to say thank you for sharing this and being so open because I know it's not an easy thing to talk about sometimes. So just want to send my gratitude to you. And if you want to dive right in, we'll, we'll hear your story, girl. Yeah, I'm so happy to share. When I had started my fertility journey, like I said, I'm 30. I started when I was 25. And I had no idea, like no education around fertility issues. You know, you had heard things from the past where they said, you know, this person doesn't have kids because they couldn't, but mm-hmm. like, why, exactly. why could they, how come we don't talk about those things? Why is there all this education around, you know, pregnancy and sex and all this stuff, but there's no education around women's infertility. Yeah. So I was super lost when I had, you know, first started trying to conceive um, five years ago, I just thought, you know, you listen to your, your tracker app, you track your periods and it tells you when you ovulate and then, you know, you have sex and then you get pregnant. I never knew that there were like so many different struggles. So many so- things, right? And it's, it's so valid what you're saying because I feel you. The only way I know a bit more is from other friends I've had who've experienced it and opened my eyes to it because I'm just like, Wow. And I myself, I haven't been, I haven't tried yet for a human baby. I'm like, we have the fur babies, but I have that fear because I haven't tried. I'm like, can I? Like, I don't know. So again, I'm so appreciative of you sharing all of this because I'm sure there's people like me too, who maybe aren't there yet with trying, but it's, it is a scary thought because you just, you just don't know. Right. Yeah. And when you're young and you're not taught these things, you're like, you're kind of naive to it. You just think, (sighs) Oh, I'm young. I'm healthy. I'm not heavy into drinking or drugs or anything like that. I should have no problem. Mm -hmm. And then when Mm -hmm. you start having a problem, you're like researching all these things. And then after a while, after I had gotten diagnosed, I was like kind of upset. Like, why are we not taught these things? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So I started trying when I was 25 and went to my doctor and I said, you know, my partner and I have been together for five years. I'm 25 now. I have my university degree, a full-time job. I was all set, like had my own apartment. Uh, We were pretty well living together and we were ready to start trying. Mm -hmm. So my doctor said, okay, like here's some prenatal vitamins. Here's some folic acid and try for a year and come back. And I'm like a year. Okay. So (laughs) I take the vitamins, I do the thing, track the periods, do all this, whatever you're supposed to do. And after probably two or three months, I started noticing that something was wrong. And like my body was telling me something was wrong because I had been on birth control from the time that I was 15, Mm -hmm. I think. So like 10 years of birth control, controlling my I feel like our generation too. I feel like so many of us were the same, like birth control for so long. And yeah. Yeah, like I was told to go on birth control before I was even sexually active. Yeah, same here. And I'm like, I'm like, what for? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was the exact same. And I mean, 
in hindsight, when I look at what I was putting in my body, I was like, oh my God, I'm like, what? So I'm very conflicted. Like I get it. I understand why we have it, but I don't know. I am like, I don't want to put those like in the hormones messed with me too. Like I have to be really careful hormonally with my myself and just my mental health, just everything. I am very sensitive to certain things. So yeah, I don't take any form of like hormonal birth control anymore, but my body thanked me. But also my body knew just my body was like, I don't want to say rejecting it, but that's what it felt like. It felt like it was like, you're done. This is not for you anymore. And I'm happy I listened because again, nothing against any of these birth controls. You have to listen to your body. You have to do what works for you. But just for my own self, I was like, and it's, that's enough. So yeah. Yeah. I felt that way a few times, but I was pretty well on it for 10 years straight. Yeah. Uh, there was really no reason for me to even start it at 15. It was just, you know, like you said, it's our generation saying right. you need to be until you are young, beat the teen pregnancy and all this mm -hmm. stuff. It's just like, okay. But there were times where I took breaks. And when I took those breaks, like my periods were so bad. Mm. Um, I remember actually when I was in university and I was taking a break from birth control and I was going through the grocery store with my best friend and I just like felt my hips lock up and I, I just kind of like, oh, I felt this feeling and I looked at her and I said, I just started my period. I have to go to the bathroom. And she's like, what? Like, how do you know? Like, how do you know your body so well? I'm like, oh, like your hips don't lock up and all these like all this pain shoots up and like you don't and she's like no that doesn't happen to me so I kind of started thinking like is it the birth control is it something else so I went back on the birth control mm -hmm. got off it when I was 25 like I said yeah. um tried for a few months and then my periods were like unbearable oh my god like so unbearable ovulation was hard for my periods um the first day I'd be extremely oh my god was is day one like the murder day where it's like something oh yeah is, oh my god yeah 100 <laughs> percent. it's like stabbing pains like <laughs> yeah it's like shooting pains coming up and i when i like mention it to people that have children they're like that sounds like contractions and i'm like yeah probably like and the bloating the nausea just like extreme uh, symptoms everything very yeah. extreme dehydration you name it like I couldn't eat I couldn't drink and I was just like and, and we're told when we're younger you are gonna get cramps you're gonna get this you're gonna get that so you think that it's normal mm -hmm. and the way they market it too like tampon commercials and everything yep. like that they market it so like you just said you nailed it they make it seem like these things are normal it's fine and it's like yes. sure there's going to be symptoms but they shouldn't be taking you out at the knees like it should not feel that extreme so yeah it's good that you like listen to your body in those moments because it's also too advocating for your health like you have to be your own best advocate for sure exactly so the other thing that i noticed you know coming off of birth control and trying um to conceive was during ovulation i started to get pains like shooting pains sore like hips sore pelvic area everything was so sore so i went back and i told my doctor i said this doesn't feel right um i've been on birth control for 10 years something's wrong and she's like well you know you've only been trying for three months so you should just keep trying and I'm like, all right, whatever. I just let it slide. But then I started to bleed a little bit during ovulation. And wow. that's when I knew I'm like, this is not right. No. All the signs were pointing to endometriosis. 
This is okay. Also, thank you for talking about this because I also feel like this is super common and women are not aware. Yeah. And I had no idea. Like I looked it up and I'm like, okay, pain during ovulation, bleeding during ovulation. Cause I'm like, this isn't normal. I thought the period yeah. stuff was normal. And ovulation is supposed to be the time your body's like, let's get busy. Like, let's make a yeah. baby. So yeah. And, and you're always told that when you ovulate, that's like your best week. Yeah. I took an economics of sex and love course in university and women's like your breasts will be perkier. Like if you're not on a controlled birth control, yeah. this was the, the study they did. And just like the way the womanly shape I, and it's, I believe it. Cause sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, am I ovulating? Cause I look fierce today. So yes. And you get this like glow and yeah. there's even like studies that say that men are more attracted to you. Yeah. Uh, that's what this study was ovulation. in the course. Yeah. And I did not feel that way at all. I'm like, mm. I feel bloated. I'm in pain, just all the things. Yeah. So I knew something wasn't right. So I made another follow-up appointment with my doctor and I told her, I'm like, hey, like, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, this is happening, this is happening. All my pap tests were showing up perfectly fine. She, she was just like, I can't find anything wrong with you. So I went back to her again, and I'm like, there's something wrong. So she finally ordered me an internal ultrasound. So when I did that, they were able to see it and identify it on the ultrasound. Wow. Okay, so... I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical professional, so I can't say anything, but wouldn't that kind of be a first thought to maybe get you that ultrasound to see what was going yes. on? <laughs> I know, I know. They could see some endometriosis because for those of you that don't know what endometriosis is, it's when the lining of your uterus sheds like it normally would during your menstrual cycle, but it creates scar tissue in you instead of coming out. So the scar tissue stays in and around you. And that's what causes all of the pain and all of the, the issues that you can have. Wow. I didn't realize that's actually what it was doing. Like I've heard of this, but I never researched what it actually did in your body. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it, it, it can do like a number of things to your body. And I've, I've learned this all through Google. Mm -hmm. um, Good old Google. I Google everything. Google. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I literally like self-diagnosed myself, took it to my doctor. And she was like, that's what I had thought that you had. She's like, but I'm not an OB, so I can't, right. um, I can't diagnose you with it. She's like, but every time you came in and talked about these symptoms, she's like, it was screaming in my brain, like, mm -hmm. but she said I couldn't. So once we were able to do the ultrasound and she referred me to a gynecologist, the gynecologist was then able to diagnosed me with endometriosis. That's also so that's good to know that it, it has to be an OBGYN diagnose you. I didn't know that. I thought the doctor could diagnose also. I'm like, I'm picking this up even just for my own knowledge because I'm like, okay, that's good to know. Yeah. So, and again, I will mention this is a very lengthy process. You can't expect to like, you know, get your ultrasound and see an OBGYN like the next month. I think I waited six months. Wow. And that was like, I got lucky because my doctor and my OB are in a book club together. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. The universe is looking out for you, girl. Yeah. So I kept going back to my doctor and begging her, like, can you please like, let's speed this up. Like, yeah. I want to get this going. Cause... Good for you though. Again, advocating for your health and your body because nobody else is going to do it for you. So good for you. Exactly. And that's how I felt like 
and that's the other thing a lot of women will just like you know okay well they said everything was fine and I'm like everything is not fine yeah I feel like I would be the person to be like okay you're the expert and I want to gain more of that like inner like no I need more <laughs> oh yeah I was like I know what my body is telling me and something's not right mm-hmm. so I finally got in with the gyno I think this was in 2020 yeah, it was when COVID had just happened. And of course, we know all of the delays that COVID had yes. caused. So I got in with her in June 2020. The first thing she said was, you know, based on your ultrasounds, I am going to diagnose you, officially diagnose you with endometriosis. She said, I can see it on your scans. You also have ovarian cysts. And she said, the, the best thing that we can do is check the severity of it through surgery. Okay. So she scheduled me in for surgery. I think it was like four months later. What kind of surgery would they be doing? Laparoscopic. So they go through your belly button and they go through the left or the right side, usually the left. So just really small incisions. They go in with like cameras and everything. It's like crazy. Um, Wow. So they can like see everything. Yeah. It's like crazy to me how small the incisions are. Because when I was eight years old, I got my appendix taken out. Yeah. And my scar is probably like... I don't know, three, four inches long Mm -hmm. and little tiny incisions are like, you can't even see them. And they do so much. They have a, do you say there's a whole camera in there? Like looking around? They put a camera in there. They can like get their tools in there and everything. Wow. Um, So that's kind of how she went in. And the plan was that she would go in and check the severity of it and flush my tubes, my fallopian tubes. She said that she does that for a lot of her patients that have endometriosis and it's usually very successful and they usually get pregnant like after the six weeks recovery when they i'm sorry i'm so curious i'm like what does that mean when they're flushing your tubes like what are they accomplishing so it's just basically like if there's any like buildup, it just kind of like flushes it all out so yeah. when you do try to conceive the embryo can have has a clean passageway yeah, yeah it just kind of just flows right into your uterus so that was her plan um that was in october I went for my um, surgery. It got canceled. Was um, this 2020 still? Yeah, that was 2020. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so it got canceled. Like I was there all day. Uh, my partner and I were both there. Both took time off of work. And then I took the following week off for recovery. And she just canceled on me. She had like an emergency C-section and all these other things. So I was like, okay, it's understandable. Then she rescheduled me for February 2021 which was like four months later. Mm -hmm. So by then I went back in, she canceled on me again. So all that time and waiting and planning. That's so it's frustrating when you're just looking to get, get, get going and get your body feeling right. I was about a year and a half into trying at this point. So when she canceled, I was just like, it was understandable. She had emergency C sections and a few other things going on. And so I just, I was really, really discouraged, but I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. Me too. The synchronicities, right? It just wasn't meant to be that day, especially exactly. something big like that. I firmly believe it even for everything. doesn't matter, big, small, but especially the big things. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was disappointed, but you know, I went home and just kind of spent the day with my partner and we just went on. We were super excited to finally get this surgery done because we were just like, yeah, like we're ready. We want to, we want to conceive as soon as possible. 
So we ate the same thing in February, took the time off, took the following week off for recovery, which is also really hard because with my job, I travel a lot, mm-hmm. um, a lot of like weekly meetings and everything. So I had to like block off a whole week Yeah, for her to just like cancel again. And at that point, I was like extremely frustrated. Of course. Um, and the healthcare system, I I totally understand. I I get it. Mm-hmm. But for a second scheduled surgery and for me to be there all day, like I think I was scheduled in for 10 o'clock in the morning and they didn't tell me until like three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh my gosh. That would be so I had, frustrating. I had fasted, no water, no coffee. Oh my God. Oh my God. If that was me no at 3 p.m., oh, I would be hangry. Yes, caffeine withdrawals. Oh my God. <laughs> that was like killing me, the caffeine withdrawals. I was just like. I just want a coffee so bad. Yes. So I was tired. I was hungry. I was frustrated. And actually one of the nurses on the floor had come up to my partner because I went to go get dressed and I burst out crying oh, in the babe. dressing room because I felt so defeated. Yeah, I was just, I can't believe this is happening again. Like, why is this not meant to be? Why is like, why is this happening again? Yeah. You ask those questions. Definitely. I would too. You know, especially when you are kind of spiritually connected, it's like, you do think about that stuff. You're like, okay, wait, was there something bigger here? I'm not seeing, or is this just life being like, keep going? Yeah, exactly. And my partner was like pissed. I've never seen him so mad. And he was, you know, it's hard for him too. And I will talk more about that. Um, But it's hard for him too, because like, he's excited. He wants to have children right now. And you're his girl. He's like, I want my girl to be good and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And and he sees me upset and he sees me discouraged and having to go through this again the second time around. So we get home. I immediately just go to sleep. Don't want any food, nothing. I don't want any coffee. Just I just want to go to sleep. I'm exhausted. Yeah. So while I'm sleeping, he sends this big email to uh, the Nova Scotia Health Authority. And just went off on them. <laughs> I had no idea he did this. I didn't even know it was in the email. So I get um, a call like a week later. And like, you're scheduled for surgery in two weeks. What? And I'm like, okay, like, that was quick. Yeah. And my OB like apologized and everything. And I was like, Where, why is she? Yeah, okay. what happened? <laughs> yeah. So then he tells me afterwards, he's like, oh, yeah, I sent an email. And <laughs> Baby, <better>. getting the <laughs> job done. <laughs> I was like, you, of all people, you sent an email. Like, he gets mad at me when, like, somebody puts mushrooms on his on his uh, food at the restaurant. And I'm like, send it back. <laughs> send it back, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. I live to see. The, that's like a true partnership. He He is advocating for you, too. That is what's up. Exactly. He totally advocated for me. And I thought that was amazing. So we finally get to my surgery that actually happened in March. Yes, <laughs> we got there. Mar- yes, finally. It was March 2021. And this is like, the, you know, they put you out, you're sleeping. It's a pretty painful surgery. I think they put me on like fentanyl, um, anything you can imagine. They drugged me right up. And I was like, I was out. Yeah, uh, they did the surgery. I came out of recovery. And when I woke up, I like, I've never, ever felt pain like that in my life. And and I just like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how much pain I was in. I, I don't even, I can't even explain the pain. And the nurse kept asking me like, what's your pain level? And I'm like, 
15. Like, yeah. <laughs> and like, I can't handle. And I was nauseous. I kept wanting to throw up. Like, I couldn't move. I was in so much pain. I could not move. So, come to find out later on, when I got out of recovery, the OB came to talk to me. And she just looked at me and she was like, You have severe, severe stage four endometriosis. She said, It's. Whoa. I've never seen it this bad in somebody your age and as healthy as you are. So she said she couldn't flush my fallopian tubes because one of them was completely blocked with scar tissue, the right one. And the left one was blocked, but dilated open. Okay. So she kind of left that, but she scraped as much endometriosis as she could because you can, it's scar tissue, you can scrape it off. Wow. I'm like cringing, but I know it's for the best, but I'm like, Ooh, like I'm thinking about, Oh, it it was like, like, I couldn't imagine like what it would have felt like if I was awake. Oh my God. No. For how much pain I was in with the amount of painkillers I was on. Yeah. I have a quick question too. Do, do we know what causes endometriosis? I mean, I'm sure there's a multitude of causes is, is genetics a factor? Is there anything like that? I have been reading up a little bit more and I do hear that genetics is part of it but nobody in my family that I know of has it right I suspect that my mom might have had it she had my brother and I when she was really young and then she had have another brother I think she had him when she was like 35 but she had a few miscarriages in between so again it's really hard to diagnose endometriosis unless you go through laparoscopic surgery like like I did So I really suspect that she had it. She has all the same period symptoms as I do, Mm -hmm. um, everything. So it could be genetic. And I I do believe she has it, but I'm not 100% sure. Wow. I'm going to have to research more because I'm just, I mean, it's interesting to learn about too, just especially if it's something that could potentially affect your life or someone you love. So I think it's great to be well-versed on all of the things. Yeah. So I had to follow up with my OB. And uh, I hate to say it, but like, she was kind of insensitive. Mm, Uh, Makes me sad. Yeah, she was so, you know, it's the worst I've ever seen. And I'm like, oh, great. Thanks for telling me that. And I can hear her talking to the other nurses, like 28 year old, she's 28 years old. She has severe stage four. Um, She's like, it's the worst I've ever seen. And I could hear her having all these conversations and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to hear this right now. Yeah. And then basically saying there's not much more we could do for you because of the scar tissue from the endometriosis sometimes will bind your other organs together. So my, it'll, they'll bind them together or to your uterus. So my, it was so bad. My bladder, my bowels binded to my uterus. What? So they were like, they were like, they're like stuck like glue to my uterus. And like, did that affect your, those org, like how you felt with those organs too? I would say, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like a frequent peer. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I like, I can drink a glass of water and like, I can't. And I always <laughs> thought that was weird because I had pregnant friends that were like, I, that I've flown with before and I'd get up to pee like two, three times during like a two hour flight. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm pregnant, like eight months pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and you pee way more than I do. And I always thought it was so weird. So that's kind of like how that affected that. Yeah. So wow. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, it can actually travel to your lungs and it can travel like within your bowels. So you can have Whoa. like bowel I'm on a few um support groups on Facebook and I've seen all of these things, like all these other things that these 
women deal with. Like mm-hmm. some women can't go to work. Some women can't exercise. Yeah. It totally so, affects your quality of life. Like everything. Yeah. So although I'm, mine is very severe. I'm lucky that I can still do day-to-day activities and get out of bed and yeah. do things. So after um, your surgery, when she was saying it was like the worst she's seen, everything like that, what happened next? So I had a follow-up appointment with her six weeks later. The recovery was horrible. Mm. Oh my God. Uh, thank God for my partner. Yes. Um, because I couldn't get off the couch. I I needed him to like pull me up. Yeah. Um. He had to like put me in the bed, take me out, like take me to the bathroom. I couldn't bend down on my own because there was so oh much gosh. pain. Yeah. So he like, he really, really took care of me. And I was so thankful for him. Yes. Um, so we went to our six week follow up and he went to all my appointments with me too. Mm-hmm. So we went to the six week follow up and she basically had said everything that she told me after the surgery and said that my my best option would be to do IVF, which is in vitro fertilization, Mm -hmm. where they retrieve your eggs and take the sperm, create an embryo, put it in your uterus. I asked if there was any possible way that I could conceive naturally. Mm -hmm. She said that I could, that it would be a very, very low chance of conceiving naturally and a very high chance of an ectopic pregnancy when the embryo just kind of like gets comfortable in your fallopian tube instead of making its way through to your uterus because if your fallopian tube is dilated open it has more space to kind of like grow in there yeah so of course I didn't want that to happen because that's another surgery that's Mm -hmm. emergency you know wouldn't be a good thing so she said my best bet would be to just go straight to the art clinic in Halifax so that's the Atlantic assisted reproductive therapy clinic in Halifax. She said that she would give me a referral and it's about a year wait, a one year wait. So of course we were devastated again. I asked her if there was anything I could do in the meantime. And she said, well, you can go back on birth control to kind of like slow down the endometriosis because the birth control will regulate like your estrogen and your progesterone and all that stuff because endometriosis feeds off of estrogen. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that either. I am learning a lot today. I'm like, wow. Yeah. And this is like me, like five years of learning about myself. So that was her only solution. And I'm like, well, that's a shitty solution, but we'll take it. Um, I wanted to do everything the safest way possible. I didn't want to take any risks Mm -hmm. because I had already gone through so much. Oh my gosh. Yes. You're like, okay, like, let's just do whatever is the safest thing for me and the baby. Absolutely. Yes. So I did it. I went on birth control until I was able to get into the art clinic. My family doctor sent in a referral and I don't know, like, I love my family doctor. Um, She got me in so quick. I was in within like six months. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So she sent in the referral. I don't know if she added any extra notes or what she did, but (laughs) she got me in quicker than I thought. And of course, by then we had already started a savings because for anybody that doesn't know, IVF is not covered. Um, It's so expensive. Yeah. We had already had a savings to start buying a house. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of put that on hold and that was our IVF savings. Yeah, I Which feel like important. IVS should be covered for women. Like, I don't understand why it's not. 
and even like like storing your eggs because i've considered that but it's so expensive i'm like um (laughs) who can do this like yeah it's oh it's crazy expensive I'll, i'll totally get into that too yeah so yeah so we finally got into the art clinic and we started all the testing and everything in september 2021 and then i was told by my ivf doctor i would need to do another surgery and this surgery was to clamp my left tube shut oh yeah so it would be like when women get their tubes tied is what they call yeah but it would be for the one the left one because he he was also concerned that if we did ivf and put um, an embryo in my uterus that it might travel down into the fallopian tube and do what you mentioned earlier like what did you say it was called ectopic pregnancy ectopic pregnancy okay yeah yeah so he was he wanted to avoid that so i was scheduled for that in january 2022 so a year ago Mm -hmm. and he broke his hand he broke his hand (laughs) yes my ivf doctor broke his hand like playing (laughs) hockey or something oh my god and i was like great here we go again like here we go again oh my god at that point I was just like I don't I honestly I don't give a shit anymore like yeah I was so over it I'm like sure whatever wait till your hand heals blah 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 he only took like three weeks three or four weeks and I was like scheduled in for the actual surgery on Valentine's Day last year Valentine's Day yeah so it sucked but because we're we're like we love valentine's Day. oh my god me too i'm so romantic i feel like we're the same <laughs> me too i'm like we're gonna plan this nice little getaway so yeah we ended up doing that anyway because my surgery was at the iwk mm-hmm. uh women's clinic in halifax and it was on a monday mm-hmm. so we had the whole weekend so we did like a valentine's day weekend oh and- that's nice yeah it was really nice we got a hotel and but we needed it anyway for the surgery. So yeah, I went in for my surgery that day and he asked me, my IVF doctor asked me if I would be open to removing my tubes. And I was like, okay, like if, if that's I, what's best. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, if they're not working, what do I need them for? Yeah. Like they're just, they're just there and they're just like collecting scar tissue and all this stuff. So he's like, if they're easy to remove, I'll remove them. If they're not, I'll leave them and I'll clamp the left tube. So I agreed. I signed the waiver forms, all these things. So he goes in, does the surgery, came out. It was like nothing like the first one. I woke up and I'm like ready to walk out of the hospital. <laughs> I'm like, is he, was he just more gentle? Or yeah. Like, is he magic? What is this? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what did they give me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he came back. Well, the nurse had, gave me a little overview of the surgery. And she said that they were unable to remove my tubes because now within not even a year, because I had my first surgery March, 2021. So this is February, 2022. The endometriosis had gotten so bad again, that my tubes were now stuck to my uterus with everything else with scar tissue. Wow. She said that he wasn't able to remove them because it, it would be just like scraping everything and then they weren't just like freely flowing like they should be Mm -hmm. so he left them and he clamped the left one and I'm like okay well whatever I I just I don't care at this point I'm so like over it like let's do just do what you gotta do yeah yeah so that was fine the surgery was not that bad at all definitely nowhere near as painful as the first one and you'd think that it would be because like yeah 
like he clamped he put a clamp in me yeah <laughs> so that was weird um but it was great because I didn't have to go through that pain again mm-hmm. so we went for a six-week follow-up with him at the IVF clinic and he said yeah no problem like we can we can start IVF as soon as you're ready he said a day of your next menstrual cycle call us and we'll start you exactly 21 days later so I was like okay I started like the next day or something so I called him and uh two days later we ended up getting COVID oh my god no. so another thing that I needed to do was get an MMR vaccine I guess I didn't have oh. um I didn't have immunity to it so I got the MMR vaccine and COVID on the same day oh my god I was, I was an absolute train wreck um and Will ended up getting COVID as well and um I called them and I'm like, you know, do you think we should wait because we do have COVID and everybody says that they're really tired for a long time after COVID and they feel the side effects for a while. And he was like, no, it's fine. Like, we'll start you whenever. Exactly three weeks later, we started our IVF process and it started with um, one needle a day and the needles are injected into your stomach. Mm -hmm. Um, So Will actually did all of my injections for me. I was curious about that too, because I feel like I would be scared to do it to myself. I'd be like, I don't know if I could stick that needle in me. Oh, there was no way. (laughs) way. And like, they teach you how to do it at the IVF clinic. They show you exactly what to do. So I just like let him like watch and I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like, yeah, I couldn't stick myself. I just couldn't do it. So thankfully he had no problem doing it at all. He's like, I got Um, you, babe. (laughs) Yeah. I took this needle called Superfact. For three weeks and what it does is it puts you into like a mini menopause okay. and it stops you from ovulating but it makes it so that when you start your hormone injections that's when you start to ovulate okay. so it's a really weird process putting you into this mini menopause so you don't start your period and you don't ovulate and then as soon as you start the hormone injections you start to ovulate you get eggs in your follicles all of these things so to get down to the cost breakdown to start the ivf process the process alone was $8,100, I think. Wow. So we paid that before we can even buy medications. So like, so, that's like straight up right away. You have to throw that down. Wow. Yeah. So thankfully, um, we had saved up $20,000. Mm-hmm. We had some really good help from some of our friends. Thank God they helped us because it was more than $20,000 because we had to think of everything was done in Halifax. So I had to, we had to stay there. Mm -hmm. So we had to stay in a hotel and food and travel. And Oh my God, that adds up so fast. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that was a lot. So we had paid for the super fact. Can't remember how much that was. A few hundred dollars. Um, And then when I got to the hormone injections, I was paying $750 a day. Wow. Oh my for God. Hormones. I had to take three different injections. So $750 a day for eight days. So it was three injections a night, every night at the exact same time. So we had to like make sure we were together at the yeah. same time, to do these injections. Cause I wouldn't do them myself. No. <laughs> so we've done them. Like we've done injections in Irving parking lots, driving back to the backs. <laughs> You name it. <laughs> yeah, like a car wash parking lot. Um, 
in my uncle's bathroom when I was like visiting. Um, I had my bag anywhere and everywhere that I went just in case we like stayed to visit a little bit longer than we had planned. Yeah, that's smart. uh, Bring everything. Yeah, but it was just crazy. Like all the different places was like, oh no, it's time. Like we need to pull over (laughs) and get this done. And yeah, it was just like maneuvering things around in the car and how yeah. many weeks or sorry did you say it was eight days you did this or was it longer the injections um it was three weeks for the three for the one so. injection, and okay. then it was another eight days for the multiple injections after gotcha that. okay yeah. wow and those are the ones that make you like tired and i was gonna ask that hormonally i'm like how did you feel during that process i feel like i don't even remember <laughs> it was a blur if i'm being totally honest like all i remember was like sleeping in the hotel yeah so sleeping and then when I started the hormone injections I had to go in for blood work every second morning and an ultrasound so I had to do an 8 a.m blood work where they took like 10 vials of blood and an ultrasound because they measure how big your follicles are and how many I don't think they can tell how many eggs are in there but they measure your follicles so they have to get to a certain size before they can retrieve your eggs okay and the more follicles you have, the better. And then they check every second day because um, they want to make sure that you're on the right dosage of medication. Do they need to increase it? Do they need to decrease it? So it's, it's just, it's so much work. Such a process. So yeah. much. Yeah. So I did that. And then finally, after eight days, my follicles were at the right measurement. Um, I think it was like the day before my birthday. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, we did it all like during my favorite month. Yes, birthday <laughs> month. We birthday love month. our birthday month. Yes. Oh, I, I usually do so many things in May too. Like I love to fish and yeah. um, pick fiddleheads. And uh, there was just so much going on that month because it was like the world had just opened up again. Yes, that's right. COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So like the annual fishing derby was going mm-hmm. on. Um, we just missed out on a lot of stuff, which was fine because like we wanted this for so long. Yes. And you're like, I know this is for a bigger purpose than all of that. Yeah. I think I was like low key, like stressed out that I couldn't make it to all these things and like, yeah, but grateful at the same time. Yeah. Those eight days were a blur. I barely remember. I just know I slept a lot. Yeah. I like didn't really want to eat much and just was like tired. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to journal and I was just like, I don't have the energy for this. Like, yeah, it just took everything out of me. So by the eighth day, when my follicles were the right size, we were able to do an egg retrieval. Mm-hmm. So they had told me, you know, because of the severity of your endometriosis and um, the number of follicles, we only expect to get about three eggs. Okay. And I was like, oh, like, kind of like disappointed because the more eggs you get and the more embryos that you get, you can freeze them. So yes. you don't have to go through the process again. Mm-hmm. So I had hoped for like all the good embryos, like as many eggs as we can get so that I wouldn't have to do this process again. Yeah. So we did the egg retrieval. So painful. I was going to um, ask. I was like, how was that one? Oh my God. Are you awake for that? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Ooh. But they put you, you're awake because they're technically they're a private clinic, so they can't put patients to sleep. Okay. So they gave me like fentanyl and um, 
something else through IV. And the nurse basically said, like, it's going to make you feel like you had a bottle of wine, a full <laughs> bottle of wine. She said, and you're just going to be awake, just chilling. Like, feeling it. She said, you're not going to feel it. But you're going to be awake and just feel like you just drank a bottle of wine. And I'm like, okay, well, that's fine with me. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm like, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, we'll Rose back there. <laughs> so will was actually able to come into the egg retrieval they let him come in for everything that's so nice i'm kind of grateful that we did it the year after covid because had it been during covid he wouldn't have been able to do it yeah you would have had to no yeah i would be the same like it's just it's you want that support especially the person you love the most like you want them i would anyway like yeah i feel you there yeah exactly and and when you're when you're put on all these like heavy medications you don't remember half of the things so i had to like rely on him to remember all of the things that the nurse and the doctor says and yes and it's overwhelming too like I feel like just in general it'd be like trying to take it all in but you're thinking of all right that I'm just in my own experience I'd be like I would be thinking all the things I don't I wouldn't remember probably half the things they would say so that's that's actually a smart point too. bring someone or record it or something so you don't miss anything yeah. they say and I'm so stubborn like <laughs> that I I would just be like oh, this is fine and everything. But with him there, I felt a little more vulnerable. Like I, I let myself be more vulnerable yes. because I had him there with me where other times I'm, I'm always like, it's okay. I got this. Like mm-hmm. just stubborn and strong and independent woman. But, yeah. Yeah. And inside you just want to like burst out crying. Yeah. So with him there, I felt more comfortable. I felt more vulnerable and I just felt like, you know, I can actually do this. Like this is okay. Yeah. I actually feel, I'm not just saying I can do this. I feel like I actually can do this. I'm superwoman um, and I got this. Yeah. So the egg retrieval, they put a needle through you and it's, it's about this, I don't know if you can see, but like this long. Holy crap. That's like as long as your body. Yeah. It's like two feet long. Oh my God. A needle. So they, oh my God. they poke that into your ovary. They poke that into each ovary and um, they just like suck the eggs out. Wow. Okay. I've never heard exactly how they do it. Now I know. I have the visual now. Wow. Oh my God. Oh yeah. No, that my IVF doctor told me this, like when they were giving us the overview of, of IVF and how it works. And my stomach just turned every time I thought about the egg retrieval. Cause he like showed me how long the needle would be and what, you know, it goes inside of you. Oh my God. <laughs> I'd be like, don't show me anything. Just do it. Don't show me it. And I'm like, why did you tell me this? He's like, you need to prepare yourself. And I'm like, <laughs> so I just like kept getting sick to my stomach for like weeks. Cause he had told me when we started the process and this is like six weeks later. So I'm freaking out like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to do this. Like, and although I was on all of the medications, like when she would pull the needle back and stop, I could feel it. <gasps> so it's oh like, God. it's, it's like, like a pinch. You get like this pinch inside and I'm this is not to scare up anybody that's like, no no <laughs> IVF. I'm preparing you yes this is good that's why we need to know like even though yes I am cringing but I would okay I'm just gonna throw this out there even like the thought a pap smear is nothing but that scrapey nothing. feeling even though it's nothing it's still it's kind of like ooh, like cringeworthy so yes I'm sorry all my expressions I don't but even I like <laughs> right I hate pap smears they hurt that I'm like 
so this is like they put the clamps in open it right up like a little bit more than a pap smear and they go in with a needle oh my god <laughs> yeah and wow. I, I, I made Will watch it all because I'm like you're gonna you're gonna see yeah this. yeah oh he my just god. like he just kept looking at me like are you okay are you all right women like, are superheroes oh my god let's like shout out for the women right now any woman doesn't matter but if you've gone through that extra shout out for you for real I don't even want to think about it <laughs> and I really did feel like I just drank a bottle of wine so I'm just sitting there chilling like oh, <laughs> like <laughs> watching them like just all up and and it was great she said we were gonna get three eggs and she's counting she's like one two three and then she started like she got to like five or six and I was like no way oh and that must have been the best feeling yeah and then she went to the other ovary and got a total of eight that's amazing so I was super happy about that I yeah I was so happy because I was like I can't believe they thought they were only gonna get three and look at me like there's eight now yeah. um so Will had to before the procedure had to give the semen mm -hmm. so they basically what they do is they put your eggs in a dish and then they put um the semen in and let them fertilize However, when they had looked at his semen, oh my God, he's going to kill me for talking about that. <laughs> talking about your semen. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, babe. Because yeah. um, obviously he had to do some testing before. Absolutely. Like they wouldn't want to go through all that if that wasn't where it should be too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So he did his testing um, months before mm -hmm. and my IVF doctor's male and he was like, they were might as well have just been bros talking about this conversation. He was just like, <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. You're good. Like everything's like prime and he's just going on <laughs> for you guys, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, couldn't get any better on that end. But that day they just said, you know, like normally they would swim at a normal rate and they were swimming really fast. So they had to switch up our process really quick in the moment. Okay. Make me make the decision while I'm just like out of her. Yeah. Um, so they had to change our process from IVF to what is called ICSI. Oh. I can't remember what it stands for. It's ICSI. I've never heard it's, of this. It's just basically like an additional step to IVF. Okay. So it's when you when they take a sperm and they inject it into the egg. Oh for, okay. Yeah, so that um they're kind of like forced to fertilize mm -hmm. instead of like waiting for the semen to meet the egg and fertilize right because of the way that it was reacting so after that we got hit with another bill for like twenty five hundred dollars oh my god because that's an additional process and whatever so after you do your egg retrieval and they they do all of this stuff they update you every day for up to five or six days and they monitor they call it cell division when your egg and, and the semen fertilize and they start creating an embryo and um the more that the cells divide the better the embryo is to transfer they hope for it to get to what's called a blastocyst stage i wish i had like like a visual for you but... I mean, it's just literally we have like our brains are connected because i was like i'm picturing you with a chart now <laughs> showing yeah <us>. like <laughs> There's literally a chart at my IVF clinic and it shows like all the stages from like day one to like 
when it does hit the blastocyst stage because the blastocyst stage is like the best that it can get. It's like almost a guaranteed pregnancy. Okay. So they called the next day and they said, you know, unfortunately, only one of your eggs fertilized out of the eight. Okay. So they said, um, we'll monitor it for cell division, um, but it is progressing. Um, but it's the only one that fertilized. Quick question. Of course, if, if it's only the one, like, does that mean the other ones are no good now? Or are they still well, viable? They do monitor. They, they wait a few days before okay. they discard them. But they do, like, t- like, they do ask you, like, what do you want to do with them? And you just usually say discard them. Okay. Yeah. So um, they said we will leave the other ones. And because uh, they did inject them, right? So they know to keep them. Mm-hmm. So they said, we will leave them for a few days and just like monitor, monitor them and see how they progress. Mm-hmm. So I was like completely devastated because one fertilized egg means you have none to bank. Right. So you, you don't have any embryos to freeze, which means if you do an embryo transfer and it fails, that means you have no backup. You have to do the whole process again. So we had nothing to freeze. By the second day, they called us back and they had good news that one of the other eggs had fertilized and started at cell division. Yay. So we were like, this is like, it was a total roller coaster. I can't even explain like how crazy it was. So then we were happy again because we're like, cool. Like, you know, if our first transfer doesn't stick, we always have the option of a second transfer. Yeah. So, or putting them both in, but they don't recommend that unless you're over 35. <laughs> I'm on my way there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they called us day by day and basically like said, all of the other eggs other than the two, were not doing any cell division. And by like day four or five, they let you know if like, it's going to at least be a transferable embryo. So by like the fourth or fifth day, they called and said, you know, the other one is still progressing. It's not progressing as quick as we had hoped, um, but we do have one that you can transfer. So we were super excited about that, devastated and excited at the same time because, you know, we had just spent $20,000. Yeah. Um, we had hoped to at least get to that stage where we could put the embryo, the egg in. So they did schedule me for an egg transfer, embryo transfer. I can't even remember what it's called. <laughs> it was like, I'm going to transfer. Yeah. <laughs> it was only like in May. And I'm like, how am I forgetting all of these things already? I think it just like. It's such a, like, I mean, just from what you've said, I can only imagine just such a process, so much information coming at you, all of the injections, the process, like your, your mind, body, and soul was going through it. So I, I feel like I would be similar. I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> it was a blur. Yeah, it, it feels like a blur. Things are coming back, like as we're talking, I'm like, yeah. They scheduled it in for a transfer. And that morning they called and they said, are you guys still coming in? And I said, yeah, like we're, we're going to be there. You know, are we good to go? Because they had to still monitor it that morning. Mm-hmm. So I was like that morning, they could have told us like, sorry, but they said it was good. And um, that was at like maybe eight o'clock in the morning, the day of the transfer. And when we got there, they were like, you won't believe what happened. We're like, what? And they said, the other one is still progressing Stop. And from eight o'clock this morning till now that it's like 
more cell division within an hour and a half. So we were like, oh my God, like they said, we'll continue to monitor it, but um, we're not sure if it's gonna be freezable. So we said, okay, that's fine. Like we were just happy. Like it was started to feel like it was meant to be like, yes, that things were that like- That got me really up. emotional. I was like, Whoa, yes. <laughs> we were like super happy about that and it was so funny because like I was telling Will on our way to the transfer I was like could you imagine if like our egg progressed more yeah. than it did like this morning when she called us and he's like yeah that'd be pretty cool and then it happened and he's like how did you know that would happen and I'm like intuition on point <laughs> I'm like it just came to me and he's like yeah that's so cool so we were able to transfer one the other one didn't progress long enough and they did have to discard it. So we kind of figured that's where it was going, but it was just nice to know that, you know, it did continue its cell division, yes. especially with like all the odds against me mm -hmm. with, you know, how they were saying that, you know, you're only going to get this many eggs and we're not sure of the egg quality due to endometriosis and da 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 da. So from the time that you transfer, you have to wait two weeks and then you okay. get blood work done. Um, they highly encourage you not to test. And I didn't because I'm like, I'm stubborn. And yeah, <laughs> I listen. So um, I wouldn't test. Um, I went and got my blood work done. But I had started bleeding before okay. my blood work. So mm -hmm. I kind of knew that it was not working. Mm -hmm. um, went and got the blood work done. She called me again, insensitive. Um, she called me and was just like, hi, I just want to call you about your blood work. And um, unfortunately, like your HCG levels are not there, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I kind of already figured, like I did start my period and mm -hmm. kind of knew this was coming. So that was like, we were, I can't even explain how devastated we were. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. To go through such a like physical emotional mental um process not just for me but for will as well like he mm -hmm. was so hopeful that this was all gonna work and you know we spent our whole life savings on it yeah oh absolutely <laughs> again my heart goes out because i can't speak on my own experience because i haven't been through that but just from all the people i love who have it just it breaks my heart because it, like you said, it's not just a physical thing. It's emotional. It's spiritual. It's you. It's your partner. It's your body. It's everything. So absolutely. Yeah. Those feelings are valid. It was so devastating. And it was even, I, th I think that was before we even got the results from the blood work because I, I ended up taking a pregnancy test because I'm like, I've been bleeding for days. Like this isn't right. So we took the pregnancy test at home and found out at home together, which yeah. was nice. Yeah. Um, Cause we had each other. We were so devastated, especially knowing that we would have to do all of that again. Yeah. Absolutely. Not, having, not having the money for it, not having like the mental capacity to do it again. Exactly. So That's it. Cause it's just, it's so taxing on so many areas of life. Like again, my heart just goes out because, and I just, again, I want to reiterate, this should not be this expensive for women and their partners to do like, and it's, it's just so common. It is so common. I can't 
even count how many people I know. And if I know that many people, I'm sure listeners, everyone has a, a group of people they know who have experienced this. And I'm just like, again, this world is so messed up. I'm like, why are we not breaking it down to basics and having compassion for each other and maybe helping each other out and not making it a capitalist, let's profit off of this thing. Like, oh God, I could go on a rant about that, but we won't. (laughs) Exactly. No, I feel the same way because I've tried everything um, at the time. So this was 2021 when we had started this IVF process. I looked in everything. Is there grants? Is there funding? Um, I am Indigenous, so I did look through um, and IHB, so non-insured health benefits, everything. I did everything. So New Brunswick actually um, does provide a $5,000 grant towards any fertility expenses, but I think you have to actually like spend the money first and then get the money then back. I'm back. not totally sure, but um, I did look into like every province and every Atlantic province had something like Newfoundland has something, PEI has something like some kind of money back for when yeah. you do go through fertility treatments. Nova Scotia had nothing. Wow. And I am originally from New Brunswick and I am a registered band member in Eel Ground First Nation, like I had mentioned, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm a resident of, of Nova Scotia. I bought a house here, like with my partner and like, this is my forever home. And, and this is yeah. just like where I would have to go through all of that. So there was nothing. However, on April 1st last year, right when we started the process, they did say that they would reimburse like 40%. Okay. Up to $20,000. So you can get like $8,000 back. So whenever I do my taxes, I'm hoping that I could get that back. I'm not sure what the limitations are on that, but still like that's still $12,000 out of our pocket. Yeah. So at that point we were just like, what are we going to do? It was summertime. So I said, there's no way I'm even going to think about this right now. I'm going to enjoy my summer. I'm, you know, just whatever. So Will decided to go out West to make money to do the next cycle. Yeah. Cause anybody that knows, like you make tons of money out in Alberta. Yes. All the listeners, a lot of East coast people will go to Alberta cause you, you can make bank and then you just fly back home. Yeah, exactly. And he, he's never been to Alberta before. He is a a certified crane operator and has like a million other trades under his belt. Um, But he did go out in July to crane operate and saved up money so that we could do this process again. He came back in September and by then I decided to take time off work. Mm -hmm. My body was telling me like, stop. Um, Good for you for listening also. Yes. So in the summer when he left, um, I had a doctor's appointment, just my regular checkup and my blood pressure. I've never, ever had problems with blood pressure, sugars, you name it. Like I've always mm-hmm. been, you know, very healthy. Yeah. Blood pressure was like 152 over like 95, Whoa. which is like, which is like, like I know people with high blood pressure that don't have those those numbers those yeah Whoa. so I'm like my doctor was like are you is everything okay and I'm like yeah. no I just decided to be and she's like oh my god I'm gonna put you off for two weeks and I'm like great so it was two weeks and then 
my organization goes into what we call like a summer shutdown. So they shut down for three weeks. So that was five weeks I had off. It was just totally what I needed. Yes. Um, Rest and rejuvenate. Yeah. I went home to New Brunswick and just kind of like hung out with my family because Will was away. So I was by myself grieving by myself. He was out there grieving by, by himself. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just went home to be with family. Absolutely. That's so good. You did that. Cause like, I like that you brought that up too. It is a grieving process after that. Absolutely. Cause you just go through all the like, what ifs, what if I did this differently? What if I ate this? What if I took this vitamin? What if I, what if during the process I didn't sleep the whole time because I was exhausted? What if I went for a run instead? Yeah. What if I did this, you know, like just constantly playing in your mind and like how what are we going to do moving forward how are we going to do this like when am I going to be ready so it was just like the constant constant so I went home and then my uncle who is like a second dad to me he's a sun dancer and it's it's a traditional ceremony and you work your way up to be a sun dancer you know there's things that you have to do you live a sober life and you you're just an overall good person Um, and you know through ceremony there are things that you have to do to become a sun dancer he's talked about this sun dance for years and I've never actually been to one because it's way in Quebec Mm -hmm. it's in a Gascobegia First Nation which is like probably an hour outside Campbellton for anybody that knows gray at all and it's just like the timing of it like I just never made it out there so this year I was like I'm gonna make it a point I've always believed in the sun dance even though I had no idea what it was like because it's not documented you can't take videos or pictures or anything like that I like that I like that you it's not more things need to be not documented as far as I'm concerned and I feel like that maintains the sacredness of it and the magic of it and the power of it like I think that's awesome yeah so I finally got to one this year a few years ago I want to say like four or five years ago my mom got really 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 sick the day or the day before the Sundance had started the nurse had called me from the hospital and said that her vitals were so low. They've never seen them so low. They've never seen anybody's vitals that that low and for that person to still be alive. Like called us in and said, you know, like you guys should come basically like, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. So my mom was in the ICU for a few days. Um, and I didn't go home because I was like, you know what? I don't want to see that. I don't want to I don't want to see her like that right now. If anything happens, I'll go home. So right away, I sent my uncle a message. I knew he was at the Sundance. And I said, my mom's really sick. She's in the ICU. They don't know if she's going to make it. And uh, I just wanted, like, can you just pray for her? And he said, yeah, all weekend. And I said, don't go home. Just stay at the Sundance, pray for her there. And we'll hope for the best. Um, So he Sundanced for her all weekend. Him and my aunt, Terri Ann. And they came home and they went straight to her and they brought their medicines from the Sundance in the room where my mom woke up. So, so I like, that was five years ago. Like, my mom just called me yesterday, like, Hey, how's everything? Like totally fine. Like, so So always powerful. Yeah. And I believe how in in the power of it. And I, I, again, I still had no idea how they pray or what they do. Yeah. So I went this year. And I didn't even ask my uncle. He just knew. He knew I he knew I I went. He knew that, you know, I needed his prayers and and everything. So I did the four days there with him and my aunt. 
and uh he had a heart attack when he was like 30 some years old okay. so he has to check his blood pressure every single day so he checked his and his is like perfect like yeah so good and he's always like so proud of it <laughs> yeah and he's like you want to check yours and I'm like no like <laughs> I just went to the doctor two weeks ago and it was like 150 something and he's like just check it so I checked it and it was like low and I was like so I had to read it again and I'm like it's back to normal I couldn't believe it I was like two weeks yeah it's back to normal so I checked it like day after day and it was like normal so I was like that's all I needed was mm -hmm. like connection family yes I just needed I needed that sacred that healing just, yeah yeah I needed to just calm my spirit again yes like, oh I'm such a believer back. in that you're when you honor the spirit I feel like everything else gets honored in the process yeah and I wish I could tell you about it but yeah it's something that you have to see for yourself yeah and I plan on going every year from now on because that is the most powerful ceremony I've ever been to yeah um and I prayed all weekend for myself for Will for my friends for my family for other women that I know that are struggling anybody and everybody I went home and I felt so good and just kind of carried those thoughts and those prayers with me as I went on still ended up taking more time off of work from September until like two weeks ago good so you, I took though. like you needed yeah, that I took four months off mm -hmm. and I never ever thought I would do that but I took my vacation time I had like four weeks I took it all just to like be with Will when he came back home spend yeah. time with him like we went on some little trips and just kind of enjoyed our time together and then I enjoyed it so much I was like I don't want to go back yeah so I went to my doctor and she's like I think you do need the time off like it's not a matter of like you want it you need it yes so she gave me three months sick leave mm -hmm. so I took the time and I kind of felt bad like you know I've been at my work for five years now and yeah and you're a go-getter like you work hard I get that I get it it's hard to take a break sometimes but so so important to listen to that spirit that body and everything else so I, I can understand that how it could be challenging sometimes to take that time for yourself definitely yeah I'm like how am I gonna just leave them with nothing like I haven't even been there in a few weeks like I you know like and then I was like you know what it can wait yep the work can wait everybody can wait yes I need this time so oh, girl I literally just like slept in got up and drank my coffee on the couch for an hour yes that sounds perfect <laughs> yeah like did my cleaning routine in the morning um went for a walk like hung out with my dog just yeah. did like did the things that make your spirit feel good I like that mm -hmm. I was able to get up and go home anytime that I wanted I didn't have to schedule it yeah I have to schedule my visits to to New Brunswick because I'm six hours away Mm -hmm. so I was able to like up and go anytime that I needed to I was able to like spend more time with my little brother and sister I was able to just do whatever I wanted mm -hmm. and it was so amazing so in that time that I took off I gave up everything I just told myself you know I'm gonna stop trying because even after IVF we said you know we'll still try to conceive you never know what will happen but yeah you know, there's just there's so many things 
when you're struggling with infertility, there's so many things you have to do. There's so many vitamins you have to take, foods you can't eat, foods that you need to eat. Um, there's even this thing called seed seed cycling, where you oh, eat like yeah. yeah certain seeds for 14 days. So it's just like it's I've crazy. done that before, but not for pregnancy reasons, but just because I was like, oh, that looks cool. It was years ago now. It's so funny you're yeah. striking that memory in me. I'm like seed cycling. I know what that is. <laughs> yeah, and just like every single day, I was getting up and like thinking of like oh, all these struggles, and I'm like, oh my god, like just exhausted. My mind was exhausted. Yeah. So I finally started therapy back in September, um, did that once a week and really tapped into like childhood trauma. Oh yes. That's a good one to tap into. That stuff runs so deep. It's like, oh, didn't know you were hiding down there. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I didn't realize like how much was really there. Right. Um, Cause you think like for myself, like. I kind of grew up back and forth with my parents. They were both single parents. My mom is a descendant of residential school survivor, my grandmother. So, of course, that cycle continued, the cycle of alcohol and addiction and um, all of those things. So as much as she wanted to be a mom, she really couldn't. Yeah. She didn't have the right She's, tools and the resources. Yeah. Coping with her own trauma, for sure. Yeah. And when she was young, she had to take care of her siblings and, you know, decided to have kids so that she can take care of her own, but mm -hmm. didn't have the right tools to do that. Right. So I grew up with my dad a lot, but I had a lot of like abandonment issues with my mom yeah. that I knew yeah. that I needed to deal with. Mm -hmm. I was always told like, you hold your emotions in your uterus. Like, yeah. I feel like that's everything. a very, it's like the sacral chakra, right? Like it's like all yeah. in there. Mm -hmm. I honestly think like, I know so many people with fertility issues that also have issues with their moms. And yeah. I'm like, is there a link to that? But I think there could be, I'm a believer in all of that stuff. Cause it's all energy too. And even things like maybe you personally didn't experience this, but generations before you did, the body and the DNA has all that stored. Like I firmly believe that. And absolutely you store those emotions in parts of your body. And like a lot of times, like if I have something physical going on, I, it's not like, I always am like, what's the emotion behind it? Or what's like the spiritual part of it? Because it's always like those emotions and traumas and things can show themselves in the body via sickness or whatever. So I'm a firm believer in that too. Yeah. And I was, it was actually uh, my, one of my best friends, Cheyenne, who was on one of your. Yes. Oh yeah. She's so great. That was such a great episode. Yes. And she's so in tune and we're like, we're so closely connected that like yes. she, she told me before, I remember her saying like, you need to deal with the trauma you have with your mom before yeah. you can move on and have children of your own. Yes, because you want to break that cycle. <laughs> like I totally relate. And, and again, in my own personal journey, there's certain things and behaviors I refuse. I'm like, I am not repeating that because you see how it affects you. And it's, it's just, uh, such a, a complex topic. There's so many ways we could go with it, but I believe that firmly. And I think sometimes too, in my own journey, cause I always thought I'd have kids by now. Like, you know, I thought I'm thankful that, you know, it's worked out the way it has, but I always think of that too. Cause I'm like, am I, maybe I was supposed to heal certain things before that's supposed to happen. Hopefully it does yeah. happen for me, but yeah. I hope so too. Yeah. I'm a believer in it now. Um, yeah. At the time he was telling me that I'm like, 
me and my mom get along fine. Like just being stubborn, just thinking to myself, like we get along fine. Like, you know, I forgave her for, you know, all the things that I had gone through as a child Mm -hmm. and I forgave her because she is the way that she is because of how her mom was and her mom is the way that my grandmother is the way she is because of residential schools. And it's just that cycle. And I just, you know, forgave her, accepted it and apologized to her for what she had gone through. Yeah. Cause you have that empathy too, right? Like, and you understand. And she's apologized to me so many times, my mom, and Mm -hmm. she was just like, I'm so sorry for all the things that I put you through and not being there and, and everything. And, um, I just said, you know, mom, it's okay. I still love you no matter what, but I still never dealt with it right it's such a complex thing because you're like i i get that it's like you you know you have that forgiveness and everything like that you're not hanging on to that per se but everything's stored in that body it's like i'm here (laughs) so i finally was like okay i'm going to therapy and ivf kind of pushed me into that because i was in such a bad place mentally Mm. from that failing that i was like i need to do something so I started therapy and I started, you know, dealing with all of that just for myself, not, mm-hmm. I, it wasn't in my mind, like, I'm going to do this to get pregnant. I'm going to do this to have a successful cycle. The next time I'm going to do that. I did it because I was like, this just needs to happen. Yeah. It starts with you. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So, and the Sundance really kind of grounded me again and was like, you need to, you need to do these things for you. Yeah. So I, really had that pull to do that. So I started therapy in September every single week religiously. That was my one thing where I got out of the house and did my thing. So last month, Will and I had gone away for his birthday. We went to Montreal and um, my period was late. And I started thinking, I'm like, oh my God, there's something else wrong with me now. Like, because- oh yeah. Cause your experience, you're like, okay, what is it now? Yeah. I'm like, something's wrong because I, you know, pregnancy never, never crossed my mind. My right tube is still blocked. My left tube was clamped shut. There's no way. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, I bet you I have, you know, on top of endometriosis, maybe I also have PCOS because that causes your periods to fluctuate. Right. So, and I know my body, like I said, yes. I know my body when it's going to happen. I'm fully in sync with the moon. I, yes. <laughs> I start on a full moon every single month, <laughs> the morning of the moon ain't even ready to come up yet. Or, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm like period started. So the full moon came and went and I'm like, great. Something's else. Something else is wrong with me. We get home from Montreal and I'm a week late at that point. And I'm just like, well, I don't know what to do. He's like, well, take a pregnancy test, rule that out at least. So I'm like, all right. So I had an expired pregnancy test. So I took the test and nothing came up. It was like completely blank. So I just left it, told Will to throw it in the garbage. It wasn't working. He wouldn't. I went back into the bathroom later that day, seen two lines. Um, yeah. Freaked out. Um, called him. He was, he was in town and so you need to pick up some more pregnancy tests like this one. Yeah. Is it go get some more. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what's going on. There's no way. So he, he brings some more and I showed him the one, but the second line was really faint because like, I don't, I don't know. 
I've never, you know, I've only taken one pregnancy test before in my life when I did IVF. Yeah. And that's what I need. Like my periods have been so on time. I've been on birth control. I've never had the experience of actually taking a pregnancy test because mm-hmm. I've never been like Never had to. Never. Yeah. Yeah. So we take another one. Two lines show up again. Oh my God. I know. And I like, I just took it and I just passed it to him. I stared at him and he's like, go take the digital. <laughs> take them all, babe. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, he bought five tests. So I'm like, okay. So I go take the digital one and right away it says yes with a plus. Stop. And I'm like, I'm like, no, no way. No way. This can't be right. Um, Still thinking there's something wrong with me, like freaking yeah. out. So he's just like, we're just staring at each other. We didn't even say anything. We didn't cry. We didn't like do anything. We were, we were just like, this isn't right. So <laughs> yeah. I told him, I'm like, I need to make a blood work appointment to see like, we got to confirm is- this. Yeah. I said, I need a doctor to tell me that, that I'm pregnant. And he looked right at me and he goes, well, the doctor told you, you couldn't get pregnant. So why are you going to wait to believe that? And I'm like, oh my God, like, you're right. So I go get the blood work done and mm-hmm. she calls me and she's like, your levels are blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? She goes, it means you're very pregnant. I was like freaking out. I said, no way. Are you sure? Are you positive? She's like, well, yeah, like according to your levels, according to the chart, you're pregnant. This is two days before Christmas. Oh my God. You're making me get the tears. The tears are here. <laughs> wow. So I'm like freaking out. I'm like calling Will. I'm like, she said, it's true. Like it's real. A week later, I still don't believe it. I take another test. (laughs) (laughs) Just one more for good measure. I was like, just want to make sure this is real. And it was like still positive. I'm like, okay, so it's real. So anyway, I go to my app, my period app, tracking app. And it, it asks you when you don't track your period, like, did you take a pregnancy test? So I hit yes, and I hit that it was positive, and it tells you right away how far along you are. That's so, I like, so cool. I was like, oh my god! So and it was all it was during Christmas time, so I couldn't get an ultrasound because I was also freaking like, what if it's ectopic? Yeah, from my tube, my right tube being blocked. So Will didn't want to wait. He's like, we have to tell everybody at Christmas. So we told everyone at Christmas and I just like hoped for the best. Like, I hope when we have an ultrasound, everything is fine. Like, yeah. Um, so we told our families, they were like ecstatic, like in over the moon. Yes. And they were all like, you guys did IVF again? We're like, no. And like both tubes are like, nope. Yeah. They're like, how they don't even like, I almost let the doctor take them out. Yeah. Oh my God. So, Isn't that wild? Like, I still have no idea. Like, oh my God. That to me is like divine intervention at its finest. It's like, this is meant to be such a miracle. I know a literal miracle. And I, I just truly believe that, you know, reconnecting spiritually, going to therapy, dealing with that trauma, taking the time off. Yeah. I can't stress that enough. Four months off of work. I know it sounds like crazy. But by the third month, like I said, I had taken time off in September. I didn't relax until November. Yeah. And I was well, because you weren't used to relaxing. You were always going. Yeah. And I was still going, going, going in September, October. Yeah. Um, and then I finally, like after Halloween, I like chilled out and I got pregnant right away. 
Oh my um, god, that's so amazing. I just have to celebrate the shit out of that right now because like, <laughs> oh my god, it just, I believe in miracles always, but when you hear these stories, it's just like, how can people not believe in magic? Because that is so magic. That's so true. Like, you know, my friend Cheyenne even had told me, you know, you never know miracles could happen. And yes. at the time I was I was in such a bad place mentally. Of course. It's hard to hear doctor, stuff like that when you're not – I get that too. You have to be in the right place to receive it. It doesn't maybe mean sometimes we hear things and don't take it in, but when so much other stuff's going on, sometimes it can be hard to apply it or anything. So, yeah, that's yeah. sense, definitely. So I'm like, you know, yeah, miracles might happen, but, like, the doctor said this and the doctor said that. There's no way. Like, it, they don't. Like, I'm sorry um is what I was thinking in my head but yeah. I was just telling her like yeah but the doctor said this and like mm -hmm. I did the surgery this this and this like they there's no way yeah and she was like well you never know she also mm -hmm. me. so she just kind of like left me with that and I I always think of that I'm like Cheyenne told me deal with the trauma with your with your mom you know do the work Yes, doing the work, doing the do. It all, I mean, I'm not saying, and at Kirsten's nods, it's not a beautiful walk in the park per se. It's not oh, like, no. you know, it's not rainbows. We would love it if it was all beautiful and sparkly, but like it's messy, it's raw, it's real, but that's it. It's real. It's motherfucking real. And no human on this earth is all rainbows and butterflies constantly. We all go through things and we all have things we have to work through. And look at like, the release that it had for Kirsten, like just amazing. It, it, I couldn't believe it. Like I'm just starting, like I'm pretty well through my first trimester now and I'm just starting to finally believe it. Like when we had our ultrasound and we seen like, I freaked out at my ultrasound first of all, <laughs> because she took, she was taking so long. She's like, I'm going to take a few pictures for the doctor and then I'll show you. So she's like pushing on my stomach and I'm like, after a few minutes, I'm like, is there a baby in there? Yeah, please like, confirm. I was like, tell me I'm not crazy. Is there a baby in there? She's like, and ultrasound techs are not supposed to say anything at all. That's right. I didn't know if that was just a movie thing or if that was like a real thing. It's a real thing. Okay. Yeah. And she's seen me and I like sat right up. I'm like, is there a baby in there? <laughs> tell and me. She's like, she's like, yes, there's a baby in there. I said, is it in my uterus? it's in your uterus I'm like okay thank you thank god yes and I laid back and then she kept going like back and forth and back and forth and I'm like I sat up I'm like please tell me there's only one in there please tell me because <laughs> I'm like I'm not ready for twins yeah and she's like laughing and she didn't say anything I'm like tell me there's only one and she's like there's only one and then I started telling her I'm like sorry I'm so nervous like we did IVF and da da da. She's like, oh, that's why you're worried that it's twins because when you do IVF, you have the option of putting two in. Yeah. And I said, no, 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 this is not an IVF baby. This is like, it's a miracle we baby. Believe, we can't believe this is happening right now. She goes, no way. I said, yeah, we had a failed IVF cycle. Like, we weren't trying whatsoever. Like, I wasn't taking any vitamins, I wasn't doing anything. I was sleeping and drinking coffee and eating pizza and like yeah living my life <laughs> not giving a shit like <laughs> you know going to the spa that was another thing I, Ooh, I love that I, yeah I was doing spa days like, like once a week. <laughs> I love it <laughs> I'm here for it <laughs> I think I need something to look forward to this week besides therapy yes um, so she was just like once I told her that she was like 
okay like and she was a little more like lenient with us and yeah she kind of uh, understood <laughs> opened up a little bit and she showed us the baby and let us take pictures and it's literally like just this tiny little peanut like when they say a little peanut and that finally made it real for us I was like wow it's really there so it was just like a weight lifted off our shoulders and like we started to like really believe like this is we real made a baby yes yeah <laughs> on our own yes I love that yeah so it was just an amazing end to a really hard hard year yes um, and the thing was like at the end of September we had gone for an IVF follow-up because they do like an overview of you know why they think the cycle didn't work and I actually forgot to mention this he had said that like because they grade your eggs from A to D or whatever okay and I had a lot of like B quality eggs and D quality eggs. So he said, you know, your egg quality is not the best and it could be from endometriosis. Cause I also had like cysts inside my ovaries that they had drained while they did the egg retrieval. I said, well, can we do IVF again? He said, you can, I'm just very worried that you'll get the same result. So that was like discouraging. Cause mm -hmm. I'm like, and I was like, well, what about, you know, this you know what went on with will and like yeah it was different and and uh he kind of said like sometimes that happens if you were sick or had an infection oh. within a few um weeks before before the the egg retrieval like the covid it, yeah and i was like oh. well we had covid like three weeks before we started the process so like we were only COVID free for like two weeks. So, so I asked him that, I said, you know, like, do you think COVID has any effect on egg quality and even semen quality? And he said, mm -hmm. well, he said, we don't have enough stats to prove that yet. He said, but we have seen a big enough decrease in IVF successes that we even had a meeting about it. Wow. He said, so we are noticing that COVID does have an effect on successful IVF cycles. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So yeah. So we had that follow-up back in September and it was like, it was discouraging because it was just like, well, I don't want to do it again and then get the same result, but then I don't want to risk like not doing it again. And my IVF doctor told me that the one thing he would do different this time was that I would take this medication called Lupron for three months where it kind of like doesn't stop your endometriosis but it kind of freezes it for a little bit okay um, so that when you do the IVF cycle again your body might take a little bit better so I was like okay well he said don't feel like you have to start it right away I was like oh no there's no way I'm not starting anytime soon <laughs> no and I told him I said we'll talk about it in the new year so my plan was to start it in January which would be now I said <laughs> you know I said, I'll do my vitamins for a few months and the three months that I do the Lupron, I will get my shit together. But for now, I'm going to not do anything. I'm not going to take any vitamins. I'm not going to seed cycle and do all these things and whatever. Yeah. And then just so happens two weeks before the new year, we find out that we conceived naturally. Oh my God. I love this so much because obviously like I saw that you were pregnant and everything, but I didn't know it happened like this. Like that is just so incredible to me. Yeah. So we're wow. super excited and it's just like, it's such a weight lifted off of our shoulders because like, I don't know, who knows if I can conceive naturally again or, mm -hmm. 
or how this is gonna, you know, how everything is gonna go. Um, so it's really exciting. Everything's so far so good. And it's just nice to not have to worry about going through that process again. So we also got engaged as yes. We got engaged on New Year's Eve. She got the bling, people. Oh, yes. I waited 10 years for that bling. Yeah. So so now, yeah, we can finally, like, save our money to build a bigger house. Yeah, and spoil that baby. Spoil the baby and get married. And, and, you know, if IVF is is in the books down the road, we'll think about that when that comes. But right now, our biggest focus is the baby, building a bigger home. And then a wedding. And then, oh my gosh. then we'll think about another baby after that. Yes. Oh my God. I am here for this so much. Do you have any final words of wisdom you'd like to leave everyone with today? Yes. So some words of wisdom definitely that I would leave everybody with, and especially women who, you know, might be in the same shoes or trying and struggling. And especially when you're young, when I say young, I'm like 25, 35, like don't put a timeline on your life. Thank you um, for saying that. I feel like I needed to hear that right now. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, you know, I remember being a little girl and being like, "I'm gonna get married when I'm 25, and I'm gonna have a kid." And I'm, and then I'm like, right. when I was 25, I was like, "What was I thinking?" Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I used to live in a one bedroom apartment, like <laughs> a little bachelorette pad, and like, yes. <laughs> so don't put a timeline on your life. Don't think that you need to accomplish these things at this age because everybody else is doing it right all of my friends have kids and are married and all these things and I always felt like I was like missing out but that's just it just wasn't the right time so don't put a timeline on your life and I mean I'm I'm 30 and I just got engaged don't feel like you need to be married and then have kids and then do this and no you can do it however you want (laughs) do it whatever way you want and don't feel bad about it. Another one would be, I mean, it's so cliche, but don't lose hope. I've, I've lost hope. And that's why I'm saying this mm-hmm. because I mean, like, look at where we're at now. And sometimes like, if you do give up, just let yourself, mm-hmm. um, but don't lose hope when you do give up. There's, there was always that, like, just the little thought in the back of my mind, like it could still happen naturally. Yeah. Although I felt hopeless, I kind of still kept that little bit of hope. Yeah, just so, a little sliver. Yeah, so don't lose that. What the doctors tell you is not always the end-all be-all. Like I said previously, I told Will, I won't believe that I'm pregnant until the doctor confirms and says that I'm pregnant. And he came back and told me like, well, the doctor said you couldn't get pregnant. So, you know, you just got to believe yes. what's happening is happening and that it can happen. Mm-hmm. When they say, so when I first started my fertility journey, like I said, I had no resources. I had nobody. I didn't know any other women with endometriosis. I didn't really know what it was. And um, my OB, as insensitive as she was, she really encouraged me to join support groups. Yeah. And I never wanted to because I'm like, oh, I don't just, I don't want to hear it. Like, but I finally gave in and I joined some support groups on Facebook. And I learned more from those support groups than I did through my OB, through surgery, through IVF. There's even specific support groups for IVF that I wish I had found way before I did IVF because Mm. 
um, they talk about their protocols, they talk about what they did to help them have a better cycle. And I brought a lot of it back to my IVF doctor. He's like, oh yeah, we could have done that. We could have done that. And I'm like, oh my God, like, <laughs> why am I learning more from a Facebook group? Like, Right. It's because it's those um, real life stories and like they just let it out. Cause it's, it, I think it comes back to like that human want to, to help others too. And like, you're doing that with what you're sharing today. So I, I need to thank you for that again. Cause I just know your story is going to be maybe that little sliver of hope for somebody else, you know? Yeah. And I always like, I love to share with people and I love to help people. And because for the first year when I was diagnosed, I, I was ashamed. I was really like, you know, I'm 25, I'm healthy. I'm this, I'm that. And like, why am I having problems? And like, mm -hmm. why am I struggling? And you know, why do I have all, like, and I didn't want to tell anybody what was wrong with me. I didn't want to share it. Mm -hmm. And then I finally just like felt so defeated. I'm like, I need to put it out there. And when I put it out there, more women started reaching out to me that I, that I've known for years that are like, yeah. Hey, I have you. And I'm like, what? So sharing your story, you will get so much more support. Um, don't hold that in. Don't, don't feel ashamed. Don't hold back. And just like, you can't change it, so you might as well do what you can to find that support. Yeah, and you're helping heal the world while we're like, as you do this, that's how we help each other heal and feel seen and heard and loved and supported. Because who was I speaking with? But we were talking about something along those lines. Like sometimes we go through things, and even though, like, maybe logically, you know, someone else in the world has dealt with this until you actually connect and have that human connection with someone, you can feel so isolated and alone. So that's why the sharing is so important. And it is such an, an isolating, like, lonely feeling to, to struggle with fertility issues when you're never taught about them, mm -hmm. when, you know, other women don't speak up about it. Exactly you know don't feel ashamed because it's just going to feel more lonely and there are like once you start sharing your story you'll realize that there are so many other women out there that are struggling with the same thing and you could help each other absolutely so. oh my gosh i love that so amazing you're incredible i am feeling so much joy from this story it just like again i know i said it already but when i hear stories like this it just makes my heart and my soul feel so magical because it just truly is it's like you don't have to see things to believe it and i just i love this because you're just your story is literally that it's like all the odds were not on your side and look you healed you loved yourself and it just naturally happened yeah it happens yeah. miracles do happen and you know prayers do work too but at the end of the day, you can hope for a miracle as much as you want. You can pray as much as you want. But like I mentioned, like you have to do the work. Yes. Oh, yes. The healing journey, not for the faint of heart, but so worth it. You will always thank yourself for choosing to heal. Even if while you're in it, you're like, oh, my God, like this is insane. But, you know, when you get through that, you're always more enlightened. You're always more evolved. And you have like a, I feel for me anyway, you see people and you can kind of, um, you understand them better and there's more it just it, it it heightens our empathy it heightens our compassion it heightens everything and i just feel like for our world to flow we need that exactly you got to yeah. do the work 
And Mm -hmm. what worked for me might not work for you. So I'm not saying like, follow my journey, do the same thing that I did. But if there is anything to take away from all that I've shared, it's to take the time for yourself. Take that time off of work. Work can wait. Everything can wait. Mm-hmm. take the time for yourself do whatever healing you need to do for yourself it you know whether it be therapy whether it be whatever it might be whatever speaks to you right and exactly, exactly like Kirsten said whatever speaks to you on your journey do that and sometimes don't overthink it like let yourself just be and listen like like I feel like Kirsten that's what you did you let yourself rest you listen to your body and you're like all right let's do this yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it came to total complete surprise right so amazing oh my gosh thank you so much for coming on and sharing this i cannot wait for everyone to hear your story and feel your beautiful energy you are amazing and congratulations i know i've already congratulated you but let's congratulate you again on both the engagement and the baby so exciting thank you so much and i'm so glad to be on here and to share the story and i also wanted to mention thank you for holding the space for me because um, Kaylee did reach out to me back in, I think it was like October. Yeah. Again, time and space. I feel like I have no concept of time, but I was like, it was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. It was like September, October. Um, you reached out to me and, and, you know, asked if I would share my story. And I was like in the midst of like therapy and like healing. And I couldn't even talk about my story without crying. Mm-hmm. So I was, I remember telling you, like, I, would love to be on because I was listening to to your podcast and just felt so inspired every time that I I listened to it that I had to message you and be like I love this episode and I love this and so when you asked me to be on I was like oh my god like I would love that but I'm just not ready like and I'm so glad that you like waited for me and I I and now I have like the a way better story to tell Right. And that's the thing. I never know now. Right. I never want, like, I always want guests to be in the right space for the right time. And that's it. I'm like, I want you to honor what you need to do. I'm here. I'm ready for you when you're ready. So absolutely. And like, exactly. Like I could not have guessed this was going to happen. And it's just so inspirational and beautiful and amazing. Yes. I'm so glad to be on here. And I hope, you know, even if this helps one other woman, we're it doing worth, it right. Yes. It was worth all the time and the, the energy. And so it was totally worth it. Absolutely. Did you want to plug your socials in if anyone wants to connect? Yeah, for sure. My Instagram is protected, but you know, if anybody wants to follow me on Instagram, I don't post a whole lot on there, but it is, um, it's just Kirsten Ward, uh, Kirsten with two eyes, not yes. Kirsten. <laughs> no, Kirsten. <laughs> yes. Um, and then my Facebook again, just Kirsten Ward, reach out to me on there. Anytime I'm a little more responsive on the Facebook messenger. Yeah. So if anybody has any questions or just like even wants to know more or wants any guidance or suggestions in any way that I can give it, reach out to me by all means. That's amazing. And everyone listening and watching, it'll all be linked. If you're listening via podcast, show notes. If you're on YouTube, description box. So you can just click the link so you'll be able to find her no problem. And I just want to thank the listeners, viewers again for, for always tuning in and being such a great support. 50 episodes. Can't believe it. We're here. We're every Tuesday or Tea Time Tuesday. So huge shout out to everyone who always tunes in. 
And I guess that's our tea time for today. Thank you again, Kirsten, so much. I'm so excited for you. I can't wait to follow the pregnancy journey and see how everything goes. Awesome. Maybe we'll do a, a mom podcast. I'm like, future. yes. I'm like, bring that baby. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, I want to wish love and light to everyone as always. And we will see you next week. Oh, oh, oh.